Welcome everyone to Z Prime on the Grid. Z Prime on the ground at ETS Energy Thought Summit 2018. We're here in lovely Austin all together. Christine is here. How are you, Christine? I'm I'm good. How are you, Dylan? I'm doing great. It's been a fun conference so far. Uh, we've got Aaron Hardick too, fresh off a panel on the main stage. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well, and I don't know how Christine couldn't be doing well as we sit here in her luxurious <laughs> suite at the W. <laughs> I just I just got a little bit of an upgrade, okay? There are some benefits to to being old. VP of something or other. Con content research, yeah. all that. You guys should see it. There's a giant stone column <laughs> i think that's called concrete <laughs> I, I love concrete i'm a huge fan of concrete concrete is a very popular thing in downtown austin buildings for, for instance my brother lives literally down the block stained concrete floors and he has like a square um a, a square? rectangular square concrete column. column and one of my biggest pet peeves is people's improper use of cement versus concrete cement. you know do you know the difference? I know the difference in terms of texture. I don't know what the actual makeup difference is. Like, one of them has rocks in it, and one of them doesn't. So cement is just wet concrete. And when it dries, it becomes concrete. So oh. I a lot of times people talk about cement, and Well, you just said not... cement, but yeah. you were saying cement earlier. <laughs> I, I couldn't... I'm sorry. <laughs> I realized I was. I'm from Kansas, okay. We probably say cement, but it's it's cement. It really should be cement. I used to have a roommate that would always say potential instead of potential. <laughs> but there was like, there was someone I was having lunch with who also said potential, and he's also from uh, my roommate's from Wyoming. This guy was from somewhere else in the in that area. It's not the Midwest. The Midwest is like a surprisingly eastern, a surprisingly eastern part of the country. So, like, Indiana is considered the Midwest when there's, like, so many states more That's west. That's because you're from Washington, so everything seems like it's the eastern U.S. <laughs> That's fair. Washington but... State, I should clarify. Right. But what's one of the, like, so what do you call, man, we're, we've eaten up, like, five minutes already. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at ETS 18, our flagship event. We've got so much, and we've got so much to talk about in regards to uh, the digital dream, the dream mm -hmm. and digital is the theme here. Uh, we've had lots of we've had lots of panels and talks. We've each hosted a panel at some point or other. Uh, so, Christine, what are you liking so far about the conference? What do you have you enjoyed people talking about in regards to the digital space? I think it's been really interesting, at least this morning, and it's it's Wednesday morning of ETS eighteen. Uh, just the talk about culture and and innovation, not only within companies and utilities but in the customer space as well you know how are customers evolving how can they better participate in in their energy consumption and production just so much talk about the customer right now um, that's that's been really exciting to see there has been so i just hosted a panel um titled engage educate empower the customer of the future and we really started to talk about how can we start to use some of the data that already exists because we know a lot of 
utilities have extensive AMI deployment, mm-hmm. um, and are, they're gathering a lot of data, but how can we now take that and improve the products and services that have finally gotten pushed out of maybe that pilot phase and, and are going through a bigger implementation? But I think now it's really how do we start to make these things a little better and take that next step forward of improving these products and services, not necessarily thinking of all the new ones, but how do we continue to improve the ones that already exist and interact with the customer in, in that way? Yeah, a lot of it is how do we leverage what we have. Uh, there are so many new technologies out there, but utilities already have a lot of existing technologies and data at their disposal, and it's just a matter of really starting to leverage that. So what was the favorite session you attended that you didn't host? Um, I really did like the session on demand. Uh, Robin Bianfei, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I thought it was really interesting just to hear her talk about that journey of innovation um, in that telecom industry because she really did have a front row seat of that massive transformation that occurred in telecom, which is commonly uh, referred to or people are making drawing that parallel between what happened in telecom back in the early 90s and what's happening in energy today so i think her perspective um, of how that change went went down in another industry was really helpful and hopefully resonated with the audience well yeah i mean i thought that her talk was definitely really interesting and the session on demands were kind of fun because it was a little bit of pressure for the speakers to essentially be ready to talk about three different topics and the audience had to vote on their on their favorite topic and we had Bill Meehan from Esri as well today doing a session on demand. He did a great talk I thought about is it the digital transformation or just the digital transition and it was really this conversation around just digitizing things versus actually changing your processes and how you approach um, things within your business. And I thought that was fascinating. He gave the example of, you know, going from a tape to a CD player is is essentially a digital transition. But what is a digital transformation in terms of music and sound? And it would be something like a Spotify where you're actually changing the way that you engage and it's, it's just a different experience. So I thought that was really cool how he applied it to energy and talk about some of the changes that are going on. Uh, and he talked about it in the realm of GIS that a lot of times utilities will use GIS and they think of it as really digitizing maps, but it really is changing the way that utilities are gathering information, sharing information, and, and leveraging it. So I, I thought that was a really neat conversation. What about like what about like virtual modeling? Where 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 would where would that fall? So I actually was on my panel that I moderated yesterday. We had NREL on and they showed a video of this data visualization platform software that they're working on. And I think in the audience, it really resonated because you're, you put on this VR headset or AR, it's like goggles, headset or goggles or something, but you're actually physically walking through the simulation. It's massive, it's at the NREL um, facility. And it helps them understand how a bunch of different Um, DERs interact on the grid, but it allows them to show the simulation to maybe technology providers as well as the utility. So it's kind of acting almost as a a platform uh, that's bringing people together to have a better understanding of how different partners and stakeholders can play or 
play a role in the digitalization of the grid across the board. So I think it's it's interesting because it, it is going to eventually, or probably closer than I think, it's it, they're going to learn, you know, how to create operational efficiencies from this type of technology. But right now, I think it really is just a way for people to understand some of the challenges better, just because you're you can see it and you're walking through it and it seems more real life. So it's more like a transition than a transformation in the sense that like it's a more efficient way of doing something rather than a new way of doing something. I think as of now, yes, but I see how that technology will evolve and really create that that transformation aspect. But I think where we are now, yeah, it's just that transition piece. Now, how about you, Dylan? You led a a cybersecurity... I was going to say cybersecurity podcast, but no. it's a cybersecurity panel. Have I mean, we done a cybersecurity podcast? Maybe we haven't. I think we have. Well, what did you, what did you learn out of that that panel? Or what surprised you? Uh, my, the, uh, yeah, my panel, Cybersecurity in the Microgrid, was a, that was, it was a very engaging podcast. We had, uh, I said podcast. <laughs> you, you got my head. Podcast up on the stage today. Did you hear me I did, do that? That I, I, I did hear that. I didn't say anything because I thought I misheard. Yeah, I got up and I said, "Oh yeah, we we have some." I think I, I meant to say Slido table or something like that. And I said, "Podcast table." I said, "Podcast." I mean, it just made no sense. Anyway, <laughs> it happens. It's live. Right. So, so my my panel was really interesting. It was called Cybersecurity in the Microgrid, and we had. Uh, Dr. Erfan Ibrahim and Eric Svonholm from IPERC and uh, Fred Bonowell from CPS Energy. And they were all talking about uh, cybersecurity in a microgrid space from different perspectives. You know, Fred's from the utility perspective, Eric's from the the, the tech provider sort of perspective, and uh, Erfan was R&D, was R&D. He used to do uh, cybersecurity R&D at NREL. I learned that uh, cybersecurity is a, I mean, it's a really important issue. Like, we had Tom Fanning from uh, Southern Company get, uh, give a really, really full-throated, uh, almost apocalyptic speech on how dangerous the cyber threats we face are. But one thing that we kind of went through in the panel is that the, the threats are real uh, the, and the issue is, is a defining one of this generation, but there's good news as well. Uh, we, we actually have the technology to protect our, to protect our assets. We just need to figure out how to implement them in a cost efficient way and staff the, staff them with the right people. So that was one of the big things I learned. Yeah. I think that's a big, I mean, a really common theme we're starting to see. And I don't know if it's just been, uh, it's always been there and it's being brought to light now because we're moving away from physical assets. But that business case, the ROI, is such a big challenge. And pretty much I feel like every discussion I've been a part of, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's um, customer engagement technologies or really anything, it's really – utilities are struggling with how do I prove an ROI on a lot of the initiatives or programs that – um, we'd like to push out, um, but don't necessarily know how to. I mean, that's always a challenge with, you know, doing this innovation is, is how do we really start to justify it? And usually it begins with a pilot project, testing it out. And a lot of times people don't know exactly how to apply it. But once they start getting into that technology, it becomes a little bit 
more clear about the direction to, to go in. I thought it was really interesting on the microgrid fireside chat we did yesterday with SNC Electric, where Ron Pate from Ameren, Illinois, talked about how microgrids are something that his utility company, they see the value in it, right? They see how it can help build this resilience in the grid. It can help with integrating different distributed energy resources. And you know, that wasn't the case even just a few years ago with microgrids. But now they're starting to see that value and really see how it can be put out you know, across the network. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for that, that value to, to really evolve and, and to show itself. Uh, so uh, not only are we here sharing ideas on stage and in panels, we're also having the chance to interact with people. So uh, who's someone interesting you've met at, at this conference that you, that you met for the first time and you'd like to give a shout out to on the podcast? So Dylan, I actually was fortunate enough to be invited uh, to dinner last night with this woman, Allison Silverstein, and she actually um, authored the recent DOE report on resiliency. Um, and so she talked about kind of coming in as a, as a third party and analyzing that data and trying to you know pinpoint where are the biggest problems with resili resiliency on the grid. And I, w I didn't know this because I don't... Um, I don't really keep up as much with the regulatory aspect of the industry. Um, I, tr I try to, but I am, it's not something that I, I keep up with as much as other things. But um, she was saying that pretty much the people who had asked her to do the report wanted her to prove a certain thing. Um, and then if she found out when she got the data that the data didn't support what the, the people well, wanted it to support. And so she kind of talked through how she managed um, dealing with those different stakeholders because it was really important to her that the data be put out the way it's supposed to be and that the analysis is, was reflective of what the actual, actual results were. And to me, that was really impactful because that's something Christine and I, I think, struggle with sometimes is we have sponsors or partners come to us and say, we'd like to test this and, and show that this is what is happening in the industry when sometimes we'll get the data back and that's not mm -hmm. what they, and the data doesn't tell them what they would like to, to hear. So Allison was really helpful in, in helping me understand ways to work together, work with other people um, and, and talk about why it's important to make sure that you say what the data actually says as opposed to what you want it to say. So shout out to Allison and thank you for letting me come to her dinner last night. Wow, that sounds like a pretty cool dinner. It was. Of course, I wasn't invited. I will. You can. So Gavin Bade invited me. So, Gavin, I think Christine has a bone to pick with you. <laughs> Wait, so, Christine, who, who did you meet that was interesting? Yeah, that's all getting cut. <laughs> you have to leave some of that in. Um, so, so, someone I really enjoyed meeting. I've met a lot of great people here. One person I met at ETS 18. Um, was a great woman named Hillary Flynn, and she is the director of group technology for National Grid. And it was fascinating to talk with Hillary. She really was leading you know, some innovative efforts within National Grid, and she talked a lot about the importance of getting you know, new people involved in the industry. And she hadn't, you know, she had worked some in energy previous to working for National Grid, but 
you know, she worked a lot in the consulting space and realized that she wanted to get involved with utilities and help drive change within utilities and felt like that she really needed to be a part of a utility that was innovative and looking to what's next. So she joined National Grid to do that. And she shared some experiences around, you know, some design, design thinking workshops that they had done and really seen some of the differences with different types of employees. You know, some employees felt like the design thinking process moved too quickly. Uh, but, you know, she really talked about that importance of getting people on board, getting people to think about what's next and, and taking new approaches to some of the challenges that utilities have been facing for a long time. So I thought that was pretty cool to see her and her position within National Grid, how that really was changing the organization. Yeah, I can see how that's interesting given, you know, the environment in the Northeast right now around innovation within utilities with their with their rev initiative. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's really interesting, especially because we talk about the talent or lack of talent all the time in the industry. So I bet she had some good perspectives or ideas on how to start to acquire new talent so that we can continue on with this innovative phase that's going through um, utilities. Yeah. How about you, Dylan? <laughs> Who is the most interesting person you've met so far? Uh, I've met, I met lots of interesting people. Uh, the one that's sticking in my mind right now is because I just talked with her was, uh, her name's Claire Winslow. I think I'm pronouncing that right. She's the president of, uh, I think it's called Best Practices. It's a social media company here in Austin. She had a really interesting panel with Nancy Bowie Thompson from SMUD on how, on social media. They're, they're, we've had two panels on social media here at ETS. This first one was sort of the business case for it as a utility. It's like, this is, this is, this is how it works. Like, this is, the, this is the results we've seen, uh, Jen Bristol from the Department of Energy was talking about how uh, it makes digital campaigns really easy, but uh, the panel with Claire and Nancy got really into like the nitty the nitty gritty of what you should be doing on certain platforms, what your overall goals should be in social media. It was less it was less just singing the praises of social media, and a lot more and a lot more about and a lot more about how like how you're supposed to build your strategies. And I talked with her a little bit before and after the panel, too, on stuff like that. And Because uh, since I do a lot of the social media for Z Prime, it's something that's really pertinent to the work I do. And I, I really liked her message that it always has to be, it has to be goals-oriented and it has to be measurable. And that's, yeah, that was my, that was my big takeaway from the things you said. At least the, on, that, on that chat, the fireside chat, uh, she talked about, you know, if you're going to have things go through five levels of approval for social media, you know, that is is not something that's that's going to be effective if you want to be do a good job at social media. And so here at Z Prime, I and mean, we just let Dylan put out whatever whatever comes up, <laughs> um, which which can be which can be good for the most part. Um, but I think that I, I just thought that was I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, trusting in your employees to be able to put out that information and communicate things effectively. And I believe Nancy um, Louis Thompson on that panel, she talked about the importance of developing that voice, right? That it's not just an organization out there reporting into the social media stream, it's, it's people and their perspectives and building that brand. You know, both Claire and Nancy talked about how important that was. 
it's really hard to be funny by committee, and it's really hard to social media by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah, uh, I used an example of like a of a viral video of a woman uh, who was really really excited to see her lights come back on in Puerto Rico, and uh, you know it was, it was a nice video, and but like the film quality was really low, and you, you know you can hear you can hear a dog barking, and there's it's like scratchy audio and stuff. And it was, a, it was a video was it was a hit online, and Claire said, you know, people don't care if you know if it's if it's really strong if it's really strongly edited if the quality's if the quality is super high because it's a very it's a real moment and it's there, there's an authenticity to it and that's what pe- that's the kind of thing that people you know there's the kind of thing that people really connect with which is why I never edit these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I. It makes me Just think of, right your, your comments make me think of how I'm a star on Erin Hardick's Snapchat, and <laughs> she takes these terrible videos of me, and, um, you know, but they're real moments. They are real moments, and that's why I'm always videoing things. I think, so, to relate the social media panel back to the panel that I had over the customer of the future, um, I think that's one of those... Um, non-industry specific customer pressures that is changing the way that utilities interact with their customer. It's that idea that not everything has to be, and I don't want to say corporate, but it has to be super structured and corporate and reviewed. Um, You can put things out instantly that come from a perspective of a person within your organization and it can be meaningful just because it doesn't have your utilities mission statement with a few stats on what your utility did that year doesn't mean it's not a meaningful piece of content. And that is a transition in the way we think about how to interact with consumers in general because there's such a big, you know, I think backlash on what what you see in the media and what it is it true, is it real? Um, so social media is actually helping bridge that gap in some sense because you get to choose who you follow and you get to choose whether or not you, I guess you want to take their word for what it is. And it gives a lot of choice to the customer, but it also allows utilities and other companies to explore um, what is meaningful content and what does the customer actually want to engage with or consume but I, I mean I definitely get organizations and why they they want to improve things and they they want to have a, a sense of, of security and the ability to review just because you know something goes out that's that's not not right and you know everyone's gonna see that right and there's gonna be backlash and people are gonna be having questions and you know utilities are in this unique, realm where they they serve everyone right they serve all of a community and it's just it's so important for them to get those messages right but it, i think it's that figuring out of okay you know how do we how do we get those messages right but then empower people to go out and communicate those ideas and and do it in a way that's engaging and interactive for people i think it i think one thing uh that keeps that's been said a few times is singling the customer base down to one. And so you're just served, like you can fulfill the needs or expectations of just one customer. And that's such a new idea. I think that was Ralph Bizzo or I'm not quite sure who said that. Um, but it's, I think it's been said at the conference. But I mean, imagine the challenge of that when you have to serve 
everyone. <laughs> or 99.5% of people in your service territory, right? So I think other organizations have it a little bit easier, than maybe a, probably a lot easier than utilities, where they curate their customers. They develop certain brands. They get the certain types of customers where utilities have to address every person that's out there. So customizing that, I mean, I think that's, I think it's a really great idea and a great direction to go in. It's just, well, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm having to serve everyone who's out there. Paula Gold Williams, she, she was talking about how, uh, because of, because of the nature of the in industry, customer relations work a little bit different than pretty much any other kind of business. You know, you can't just stick a sign that says we reserve the right to refuse service to anybody because you're supposed to provide service to everybody. Uh, so I'm trying to remember what the line she said. She said something to the effect of it's our it's our duty to serve every single customer the best we can, whether they believe in what we believe in or not. Uh, electrons don't discriminate, so we can't either. I thought that was a really interesting message about how customer rela customer relation isn't about is isn't about serving a group of people as much as it's serving each individual customer on the, on their own, the, like what Aaron was talking about. So there are lots of things I love about ETS that we've covered. Uh, learning new things, talk, uh, interacting with new people, sharing ideas. But the other thing I admittedly really love about ETS is the fact that I get to come to Austin and hang out with all my coworkers because I, you know, I live in the corner of the country and no one, no other Z Primer lives up there, so I don't get to hang out with you guys as much as I would like to. So, uh, given that we're all together so frequently, uh, it's, it's it's very easy for us to keep secrets from one another, and I don't think we should. So, here's, no. so here's what I've done. Here, here, here's what I've done to, as a team building as a team building exercise. Uh, I, I gave you each a short short little questionnaire, and I'm gonna run a, I'm gonna run trivia like I usually do on the other person. On, okay. So I'm gonna ask. Why do I always get put in positions on the podcast where I feel like I could be fired at any point? <laughs> well, don't worry. They're very, inno they're very innocuous questions. If you get them wrong, you we might have to fire them. <laughs> they're very innocuous. So whoever, so just, but just whoever answers more questions correct will uh, win a free pass to ETS nineteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we all have that though. We'll be. We'll just Mom, be. They'll just. They're just a better friend overall. <laughs> okay, so so Aaron, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start asking you first of questions about Christine. Okay. So, uh, Aaron, what city was Christine born in? Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> that is incorrect. Uh... She was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, dang it! I knew it was Kansas something. <laughs> it's actually not. Well, I mean, I it's guess it's Kansas Missouri. in name only. But also part of it's in Kansas as well. But And you have family in Kansas. But I was actually born in Missouri. I lived in Missouri for a day, and then my parents took me back to Kansas. But I was born in Missouri. Oh, close, but no cigar. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that expression, um, and I was actually playing horseshoes. <laughs> it was my dad's best friend. And he said that, and then the next day I said it at school. I was in, like, third or fourth grade in the completely wrong context. <laughs> and my teacher was like, who taught you that? And do you know what it means? I was like, no, I just like the way it sounds. So now, uh, now um, somebody said it to me, I think, like, a week ago, so I'm trying to bring it back in conversation. Okay. Good, good job. You just did it. Thank you. All right, this is a two-pointer because there are two answers. 
What are the names of Christine's dogs? Uh, Gatto. Yes. And um, I know this. I'm at Christine's house all the time. Ugh. One of them has like a leg problem. He always is getting himself like hurt or just and loves to go to the vet. Christine has, but I can't remember his name right now. Ugh. Well, that's Gatto's name. Okay, so that's Gatto. Yeah. There's the little dog. Yes. Um, Mao? 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 Yes. Mao, yes. yes. Gato yes. and Mao. Yes. You named, your, you named one of your dogs the Spanish word for cat. <laughs> it's very ironic. Ma- Mao is actually the, the Chinese word for cat, but it's also the... A dictator. Communist dictator, which I did not think about when I named her that. But it's still, it's still, pretty, it's still pretty funny. Okay. Uh, what year was Christine born in? All right, let me now, do this some, is the one that could get you fired. Let me do some mental math in my head. <laughs> I talked about when I graduated from high school last think, year. Or last I think you I graduated high school last year. <laughs> yes, yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> which feels like maybe last year. Did I miss? I don't think I heard that. I did. I was walking through on the way to an interview when you said something about feeling old, and I was going to make a point the next time I was on stage with you to, to call out, to tell everyone right, that you're I just, You're I just am. delaying now, so... What's okay, 2018 um, minus 50? <laughs> rude. Okay, <laughs> 19... 81. You were really close. It was 1980. 1980. Ah, dang it! If you had just trailed off... Yeah. 80, but I was like, okay. You might have been saved by the buzzer. <laughs> What did Christine want to be when she when she was little? What did she want to be when she grew up? What age? I because f- I feel like Christine L- like little little kid. little little um, like like what people answered on this survey. Yeah, a, a, a dancer. No, no, a dancer. Well, I know that Christine. Well, I did she... ballet, but I realized you did. I, I you was... seem exactly the kind of person who would do ballet as a kid. I did it, and I realized I was really bad at it, so I never had hopes of being a ballet dancer. I, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. What is Christine's favorite band? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know is that one time I was driving in the car with Christine, and I think it was like a Rolling Stones song came on, and she was like, oh. I love like all the Rolling Stones except this song or something. I was like, and it was it wasn't on the radio. It was like on my iPod, like my yeah, iPod. And so I was like, okay, Christine, my one Rolling Stone song I have is of course the one that you don't like. But I don't know. It's fairly it's fairly close. Yeah. In in time period. Yeah. And and genre, genre? To Rolling Stones. Yeah, if that's a hint. Um, well, I I listened to a lot of classic rock. Growing up, so I know a lot of bands. The, the Sticks? The Sticks. That's a little later. No? Okay. Um, I think like 70s and late 60s. They were founded in 1969. So really late 60s. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin! Led Zeppelin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then the, the last question. Wait, how oh. many, I think I have two points you right have two now. Points <laughs> I, was, I feel like I should get close on the Kansas one. She lived... No, no, no. It was, I would, I, you were, like, off by three hours of driving. <laughs> at least. Um, and finally, how, how many years have Christine and Seth been married? <laughs> Five. We've been married for th- almost 13 years. <laughs> God dang it. 
have no idea. I feel like I almost want to give you the 1980 because that was really close. Well, let's just see how how it comes out. All right. Um. Congratulations! So thirteen years. Wow. Obviously, I we like to make fun of Seth mostly because Christine makes fun of me, and I think Seth also makes fun of me. So I like to make fun of Seth, and I like to make fun of Seth. Everyone. I mean, we just. We all like to make fun of Seth also looks like he's 22, so (laughs) the fact that you've been married 13 years, just like that, that, I don't think that would enter into my my brain, because I'd be like, you married him when he was 15? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but Seth actually, so when Seth and Christine got married, Christine kept her last name, um, and Seth's last name is Green. (laughs) Greg. 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 You're not even Seth. I, I didn't know Seth. she was married to Seth Green. Wow. <laughs> um, but so we like to call Seth Mr. Richards, <laughs> yes. even though that is that is not his last name. Yeah, Seth and I have actually been together. Next year it will be we we've been together for twenty. We'll be together for twenty years. I couldn't think of a Seth Green movie from twenty years ago to make a joke about. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, all right. So so Christine. Oh man. You don't have a you don't have a super high bar to clear. We'll see. So, the first two are very similar. So, uh, what city was was Aaron Hardick born in? D- Dallas. That is correct. Uh, another two-pointer. What are her sisters' names? Alexa and Celia. Is, yes. So you're already ahead. <laughs> she didn't answer. She didn't answer this one. So I'm going to ask them. She'll <laughs> automatically know the answer to. What is her blood type? Hmm. Oh. You know this, right, Aaron? I do. Okay, good. O negative. That's I'm, my blood type. I'm I'm A positive, I believe. Um, but my mom's O negative. Universal <laughs> donor. <laughs> wow, you're okay, that's good to know. What did she want what did she want to be when she grew up when she was little? Hmm. I mean, it really doesn't matter what I guess because I've already won. But um, you can rack up the score, though. I'd say ba- soccer, basketball player. She wrote professional athlete, so I'm giving that to you. <laughs> yes. Wow. This is oh. terrible. It's just. What is what is Aaron's favorite movie? I don't. I don't. I've never even thought of Aaron ever watching movies. I'm not. I, I'm honestly. I'm not much of a movie watcher. I don't really talk about yeah. movies that often. But I will give you a hint. It's it's from my childhood. Um, it's a very popular sports movie. The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> no, no but, I think that was before you were even born. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know. I don't know sports movies. It was Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. I but but I did that. say Forrest Gump is a very close second for me. I used to do these Forrest Gump impressions to my mom, and she thought like that it was absolutely hilarious when I was younger. So she would take me places and like have me do Forrest Gump impressions for people. So I really liked that movie. So you're going to do it right now? Forrest I don't know. I haven't done it in a long time. It, it ta- I need to get into character. All right, well, you practice. All you need to do is you just, you just go, okay. Jenna. You do it. That's, that's how everyone does it. No, I'm going to practice on the. I think it really. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I was pretty good at it 
when I was like 12 and 13. So I need to get yeah. back. I need to practice my character again. And then next podcast, I will come prepared. Okay. Tune in next time, listener. Or rather, like three times from now because <laughs> we have so many I have to release after this. Um, and then the last question What kind of car does Aaron drive? She drives a, a Jeep. What kind of Jeep? Jeep what? You gotta be more specific. Jeep Cherokee. That is correct. No, I just feel absolutely awful. But in all, I'm always in Dallas, and Christine's always like, are you in Austin or Dallas? Christine went to Kansas City like a month ago. <laughs> yeah. So the final score is five to two. But in Erin's defense, she was really close on like two of them. She was really close in the music one, and she was really close in the date of birth. So I, I, I almost want to make it five to four. To make it seem like Aaron didn't get Maybe it was closer. I accept my loss, but I'm kind of, I am upset with myself. I thought I would be able to It's okay to fail, Aaron. It's okay. You you taught me that, Christine. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That's all the time we have for now. We got to go back uh, to the convention and see some more energy thinking summiting. The convention? Are yeah, the convention? No. We got, yeah, we, we're going to get to go go uh, hear some more for some thought leaders. So, Christine and Aaron, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for hosting it, Dylan. Yeah, Christine, thanks for letting us use your fantastic suite. Of course, of course. Then thanks to everyone who showed up at ETS and to all of our, all of our sponsors, all of our attendees, and all of our speakers. And, of course, to all of our Z Prime on the Grid listeners who were here with us in spirit. My name's Dylan, and we'll see you next time.